Welcome to the Data Podcast. My name is Brian Ward, the creator and host of the Data Podcast. I am a coach, Marine Corps veteran, speaker, husband, and you guessed it, a dad. Are you ready to be inspired to be the best dad you can be for your family? This show will provide you with the tips, tools, and strategies to do just that. Are you a dad just going through the motions? Or are you looking to really elevate your dad game to the next level? Truth is, it is a blessing to be a dad. This is a responsibility we must take seriously. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? I hope you want to be remembered as a phenomenal dad. Your legacy starts in the home, not outside the home. If you're really ready to elevate your dad game, then make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. Data. Welcome to another episode of Data Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. And today, this is an episode that I've been looking forward to for a long time because the man I have on is one of my favorite authors of all time. Uh, it is incredible to have him. I'm thankful to him taking out the time of his day to uh, to be on the show. But my good friend, Mr. John Gordon, has joined me on Dad Up. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Brian. Great to be with you. That's an honor. And I really appreciate you saying that about the books. That means a lot. And I know that your brother-in-law is Ed Milet, so you have to say that. You can't say I'm your favorite because Ed would be upset about that. So I understand. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, very cool. Listen, man, I have, I honestly, uh, this is, this is, uh, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I know I set it up. I think we set this thing up back in like August cause you're a busy dude. So, um, I just appreciate you taking the time, but for my listeners and you know what, for the listeners, viewers that are watching this, listen to this, wherever you are, if you don't know who this man is, then you're hiding under a rock or something because this guy is all over the place. He's a phenomenal teacher. He's a phenomenal speaker. And he's a phenomenal author, not only for adults, parents, business leaders, but also for kids. He's got children's books as well. Um, so a little bit of backstory on you, how you kind of grew up, how you kind of got into being an author and a speaker. And then we'll dive right into your kids and your family life. Well, the funny thing, Brian, I didn't know I could even write. I didn't know I would ever be a writer. It was something that just happened to me. Basically, I was 31 years old. I'm miserable. I'm negative. My wife had had enough of my negativity. She she said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who, who makes me so miserable. Like You need to change. And I'd lost my job during the dot-com crash. We have two little kids, a mortgage. I'm literally about to lose it all. I'm terrified. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills and I'm crumbling from the inside out. And it was a huge wake up moment for me where she threatened to leave and I knew I needed to change. So that began this journey of saying, how can I be more positive? How can I be a person that, that I liked? Cause I really had grown not to like myself during that time. And I knew I needed to become more positive. So I started to research ways I could be more positive around the same time. I also asked, what am I born to do? Like, why am I here? And writing and speaking just kept on coming to me. So, all right, I'm going to find a way to start doing this work, write and speak. I wanted to encourage people the way other authors encouraged me. I didn't know if I could. I didn't know if I had that ability or talent. But for some reason, I had this knowing that this is what I was meant to do. My good friends will tell you, I told them, I'm going to be a writer and speaker. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And this is what I said I'm going to do. And that's what I started doing. It was a knowing, it was a calling. And that's what I've been doing 
ever since. So that's how I got into this work. Wow. And, and how many kids do you have? How old are they? I have two kids and now my daughter's 24. My son is 22. Uh, my wife and I have been married uh, over 25 years, going on 26 now. And it's been um, a long journey of, of parenting. I know dad up because I've done many things wrong and I was probably dad down many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you and I are very similar in that. I have uh, now I don't have a daughter, but I have two boys. Uh, there are my older son's about to, he's going to be 24 at the end of this month. And my younger son just turned 21. Uh, and my wife and I as well are going on year number 26. So we just celebrated 25th anniversary in June. So, um, so yeah, we're, we run very similar paths with our family. That's so, awesome. Uh, and for me, um, I have always been a driven father since my boys were born. I grew up in a household where my parents were blue collar workers. They worked long hours and they could, they didn't have the time to, you know, attend sport. You know, I played sports in, in school. Uh, they, I mean, I can count on one hand how many sporting events that they actually came to because they just couldn't, they had to work. Um, and I knew back then that I wasn't going to be that way as a father. I wanted to be a, like an all in dad and how that kind of got started was, you know, obviously when my boys were little, they started, uh, having an interest in sports. And I knew that, Hey, if, if I'm going to take them to the practices and the games, I might as well get involved. And so I coached my boys from the ages of four, all the way up through high school, uh, in sports. Uh, and it allowed us a chance to not only bond, but uh, it allowed me as a dad to influence other young men and be a role model for them. Um, so I took that very seriously. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Ed, because my younger son, when he was a senior in high school, and you may have experienced this as a dad that's been a dad for a long time. Uh, when my younger son was in high school about to graduate, I felt like my dad journey was ending. Uh, I felt like I had done it. My wife and I had done everything that we could to raise these two young men. And what uh, is next for me as a dad? And so Ed actually suggested the podcast. He's the one that told, hey, you should probably do a podcast for dads and just kind of um, inspire other dads out there. So the whole point of the show is really to show, hey, you can be a successful businessman or leader in, in your career, but you can also be a successful father. And there's ways to do that. Um, for you, you know, you've kind of gravitated towards writing because you kind of hit your rock bottom. You're at a point where you were hitting your rock bottom and you need to make a change. Um, I had a very similar experience in my life where I hit rock bottom or is about to hit rock bottom. I was, I spent four years in the military. I was in the Marine Corps. When I got out, um, I became a drinker and started drinking pretty heavily. And I found myself, I grew up in an alcohol family and I found myself um, asking my boys to go get me a beer out of the fridge. And I knew that I didn't want them to grow up in that kind of environment because that's how I grew up. And so I stopped drinking. Just, I knew my wife told me, hey, it's becoming an issue. And so I just stopped cold turkey. So 13 years now I've been completely sober and it's changed my life. And I did that not for me. I did that for my family because my family was that important. So similar, the reason I bring that up is because it's very similar to you. You knew you had to make a change, not only for you, but for your family. And you took that step and it's, and it's been successful for you. Um, so it has, it wasn't, it wasn't right away. And by the way, I just got to say, Ed is an amazing man, amazing father and an amazing author. I was just teasing earlier, but yeah, incredible guy. 
and, you know, always gives great advice on what people should do and how they do it. He's impacted me in, in, in amazing ways and great ways and has even made me a better father in our time of, of getting to know each other. And I think that's the important thing is I consider myself a really good dad, but we can always improve. We can always get better. But early on, I wasn't a great dad. Even when I decided to change and I was making the change, I still was, you know, quite negative in, in many ways. I, I was a driver and I was always pushing my kids, you know, a little too much and maybe even a little too demanding. I was practicing tough love instead of love tough. And my dad was a tough love guy. He was a New York City police officer, undercover narcotics, you know, and so he was a badass. And, and so he was always pushing and driving. And I even remember like I would get a 95 and he'd say, why didn't you get a hundred and things like that. So he was always pushing. And I think I had a little bit of that with my kids. So I had to learn to, to love them and invest in them and, and build a relationship more than just about them performing and their outcome and their success. And that transition and that transformation really is when I became a much better father, when I really started focusing on helping them become who they're meant to be, not who I want them to be. And it wasn't about my identity. Oh, your kids are so great at this. So that makes you great. And that makes you successful. I was getting my success from their performance. And I realized it wasn't about me at all. It's about them. It's about helping them be their best. So I became someone who started to support them, encourage them. If they had failures, I needed to be the one that helped pick them up and was there encouraging them along the way. And that's when I became a much better dad. I had to learn how to be a, a, a good dad. I coached my son's soccer early on and, and then my daughter's basketball team. I actually coached against Christian Leitner. His daughter was on a team against my daughter's is hilarious. We crushed them, but not because I was a better coach, but because we had Sydney Searcy, who was a really great young player and wind up going play in college. So we had Sydney who dominated the game, but, but I still remember those times of coaching, but even then, right. Performance and let's go and drive and, you know, if I could do it again for those dads out there, it's about the, it's about helping them become better human beings. That's the purpose of sports, yeah. helping them become better people. And they will grow as you invest in them. They will grow as you love them and they will grow as you challenge them. So you do need to challenge them, but you got to build that relationship first and earn the right to challenge them. Trent Dilfer told me this the other day. I love what Trent Dilfer does. This is like a brilliant idea. I think everyone needs to do it. I wish I did it. He said he had two hats, dad hat and coach hat, dad hat and coach hat. So he would ask his daughters, which hat do you want me to put on? You want dad hat or coach hat? And they got to decide. So if it was dad hat, it was all love. It was all support. There was no advice. Dads don't give advice if they want dad hat. It was all love and support and encouragement. If they wanted coach hat, tell me what I could have done better. Tell me how I can improve. Tell me how I can grow. That's coach hat. And they get to choose. And if they never wanted coach hat, then he would just have dad hat. So instead of giving advice, they never want to listen to, they don't really care about. And you're hurting your relationship as a parent by being too much of a coach. Guess what? This is a great way to let them decide what they want and what you will say and speak into their life. So I love that idea of, 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 of the two hats. The other idea that Dan Britton, my good friend gave me was to ask for permission. If you don't want to do the two hats, ask for permission. Hey, can I give you a suggestion on something or do you want to hear what an idea I have for you? And if they say no, okay, then you move on. You ask first before imposing your will and your judgment and your ideas and your suggestions. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Trent because uh, I had that same philosophy as a dad and a coach. Um, our rule in our home was it, it, they, I had to get their permission, first of all, for me to be their coach. If they didn't want me to be the coach, then I wouldn't have, but they, they agreed to it. And I, that was good. But there was a rule that we followed. And that was when I'm a coach, when we're on the field or on the court, I'm referred to as coach. I'm not your dad because I'm there to instruct not only you, but other players. So every time we're on the quarter field, you refer to me as coach. Once we get in the car, my dad hat goes back on. And that's, all, that's how, we, how we always referred to it. And my boys respected that and they understood that and, and appreciated that um, because there can't be any favoritism, right? And, you know, kids see, oh, well, that's, that's his son. You know, uh, it wasn't like that. My, if my boys didn't perform, guess what? They were sitting. I had, I can remember, I can remember a game in particular that I was the associate head coach of this high school basketball team. And the head coach looked at me and said, Brian, who do you think we should put in the second half? Who do you think we should start? And my son was not one of the players that had just finished the first half. He was on the bench and the, and the players that were on the court were performing very, very well. So in the second half, I said, you got to go with the same guys that we just had. I didn't pick my son and put him in there. I said, you got to go with the same guys. We need to win this game. And so I, I, I separated those two roles. And I took that very seriously because I wanted to send the message that there's no favoritism here. All the players have to earn their right to play. And um, so that's, I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Um, well, let me ask you this. You know, when it comes to, you know, your writing, were there things that, you know, you're right, you're, you're, you're writing a book, let's say on positivity and, and you're like, you write some stuff down, you do some research, you write some stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh, I should have implemented that as a dad myself. Why I'm writing this and I, I never used it. Was there ever times like that that you experienced that as a, as a dad and a, and a writer? Well, everything along the way, when I would write it, I would then have to implement it. I had to walk the walk. So I literally was writing myself a better job description and the actions I needed to take to be a better dad, a better human being, a better husband, a better leader. So I always say like the writing represents the best of me. And I spend my life trying to live up to the person who wrote those books and the ideas in those books. So yes, along the way, I would have to practice the different ideas. But funny story, I wrote The Energy Bus and it started to become very successful. And I'm at my daughter's games. This is in high school now. And so I become known as an author, known as a writer, and I'm at the games and I'm yelling whenever the referees would make bad calls because I literally like They're competitive, <laughs> competitive, and they would make the worst calls in lacrosse, like slasher. They wouldn't call it just these horrible calls. And I shouldn't have done it, but I was doing it. And parents are looking at each other like this guy wrote the energy bus. Like, like they were like, like giving me a hard time. They make fun of me a little bit. And I'm like, all right. So one time they yelled at, they, they, I mean, I was yelling. They joked with me that I was yelling. I said, Oh, it's not John. This is Joey bag of donuts. This is my alter ego. This is like, John's not here. This is Joey. And Joey yells at the refs. So i made this whole joke about Joey bag of donuts and giving the refs a hard time. So then Next thing you know, I get asked to be on the board of the Positive Coach Alliance. <laughs> and one of the things is respecting the officials and so forth. And I'm like, you know what? I, I should, even though the refs are making bad calls, 
you shouldn't say anything. It's like, don't be that guy. Because that's my, you know, my my Long Islandness was showing up, my New Yorkness, right? Like Joey Bag of Donuts. Like, come on now, what are you doing over there? It's a horrible call, ref. What, are you, what the hell are you doing? So that's I grew up with guys yelling like that. That's that's what it's all about. So so here I am, like yelling like that. And so Joey would Joey would show up a lot. Well, then once I got in the positive coaching alliance, Joey was no longer allowed to come to the games. And so they would come up to me, where's Joey? Because they wanted me to yell when the ref would make a bad call. I was like, their outlet. It became like this fun thing. I go, Joey is dead. Joey's not, Joey's not here anymore. Joey died. I'm sorry. He can no longer come to the matches because he's dead. And we just had a great time with that. So one, should I have ever been yelling at the refs? No. Is that wrong to do? Yes. But I was in support of my daughter. So she didn't get mad at that. I was being a good dad in that way of, of loving support. Was I showing her a good sportsmanship? No. So not a great example. I admit that. And I was very open and honest about this. I've written about this because I want other dads to don't be that guy. Don't be right, right. go we bag of donuts. Don't be that guy. So be more positive, be encouraging, be supportive. And again, I had to then find the best within me. So then I became that tennis parent who just watched and didn't say a word and just supported and encouraged. And it really taught me in a lot of ways, discipline and how to be a, a better parent, be more positive and supportive. But, you know, there's a, there's a cartoon out there where the dad is yelling at his son in the batter's box. And it said, Hey dad, you're yelling at a future software developer. Like this kid is not going to play in the pros. So like, just, let him have a good time playing and support him along the way. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that you say that because I do witness through my coaching years and I coached over 20 years. So through my coaching years, I witnessed a lot of uh, dads in particular that pushed their kids, whether son or daughter to the ultimate limit. Uh, and almost I saw it as the dads really trying to live through their child's eyes. And yeah. that could just set them up for failure or burnout. Uh, you know, I saw it, especially in younger kids, these, these dads, you know, participating in their kids' sports, but pushing them so much that they're practicing four nights a week and they got tournaments all weekend. And it's just constantly go, 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 go. And it just essentially just burns the kid out and the kid has no desire to play sports anymore. And I think that's just such the wrong message because you're, you're not teaching your kid about work ethic by doing that. You're certainly not doing that and teamwork. Um, and, and you're just leading them to, to, you know, fail when they become older because they're not ready for that type of challenge and sports are designed to help them learn and grow and work as a team. All those, all those tools and, and things that they're learning when they're playing sports are important. And that's, that's, that's what makes it, um, successful as, as that's what makes you successful as a coach. Um, just kind of going out there, listen, I'm, I'm a, one of the most competitive coaches out there. I want to win every single game, but I've also told my players, listen, if you give me a hundred percent of your effort, you work your tail off in a game and you work your tail off in practice and we lose, I'm okay with that. I can take that. What I can't take is you not giving a hundred percent. And I know it's a team that we could beat and you, and we lose, then I'll be disappointed. Um, so that's, I mean, that's great. Um, I, I want to shift a little bit because um, we talk a lot, you, you talk a lot about your, in your books about positivity and there's, you know, parents for you that are watching, if you haven't checked out any of John's children's books, he's got uh, five, right? There's like five of them out there now. Five children's books. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, 
you got, I mean, he wrote the energy bus, but he also wrote it for kids. Um, gosh, yeah, you got the bus for kids, coffee being for coffee, being for kids. One word for kids. Thank you. And good night. And uh, did I say coffee being for kids? Yeah. A uh, hard hat. The hard hat. Oh, and hard hat for kids. Yes. Hard yeah, hat. Hard hat for Thank kids. you. Yeah. Uh, and they and what what's cool about those books is they're very easy to read. There's super valuable uh, information or lessons within those books, and a lot of them are geared towards stories. So they're they're based on a story uh, of children, and there's a lot of great information that not only kids can take from that, but also parents. Um, and so parents, if you if you looking for ways to help improve maybe your kid's positivity. There's, there's, there's children books that John have written that have done that. So I, it leads me to my question and, and with positivity in our kids, we've gone through this thing over the last almost three years now uh, called the pandemic that has really uh, lowered our kids positivity levels and really dropped their self-esteem because they've really felt like they've uh, been kind of in this bubble uh, of, of this change in our world. What are some actionable steps that parents could take to really influence their kids to be more positive today? Well, one, we need to teach them that it's not the pandemic that actually caused these kids to be a certain way. It's never the event. It's never the circumstance. One day you're in traffic and it bothers you. The next day you're in the same traffic and it doesn't. Is it the traffic? If it was the traffic, it'd be 100% of the time, the same response. If it's the event, it'd be 100% the same response all the time. Like every kid did not experience a demise or their demise during the, during the pandemic, but some kids did, but some kids thrived. It depended on the kid. And it's always our state of mind. It's never the circumstance. So we have to teach kids that they are more powerful than their circumstance. We have to teach them that they create from the inside out. The coffee bean message mm -hmm. is all about that. You put a carrot in the boiling hot water. What happens to the carrot? It gets softened. It gets weakened by the environment. You put an egg into boiling hot water. What happens to the egg? It gets hardened by the environment. We can be like an egg and get a hardened heart, bitter, angry, frustrated. We can be like that carrot, weakened, fearful, stressed, or anxious. Or we could be like a coffee bean. You take that coffee bean and you put that into boiling hot water, it transforms the water into coffee. It transforms the environment. So it's not defined by its circumstance. It defines its circumstance. It's not impacted by its environment. It impacts and transforms its environment. And that is our power. That is our charge. That's what I wrote about in the coffee bean for kids, that you as a, as a child, you as a person, you have the power inside you to take on this world of negativity and pressure and stress and expectations and a lot of stuff that's really negative in the world. You have the power to take that on. And when you do so in a more powerful way, inside out way, you're able to stay more positive, have more resilience, more grit, and ultimately have more success. So, so that's a key part of his teaching from the inside out. It's also teaching kids like the energy bus where you can feed yourself every day with positivity. And the more you do, the more you, self, the more you feed yourself and weed the negative, you create a fertile mind that is ready for great things to happen. So Teaching kids the importance of, of positive thoughts about gratitude. You can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. Right. So if you're feeling grateful, you won't be stressed. So, so talk to your kids about appreciation. And the more you appreciate, you elevate. You elevate your mood, your performance, the people around you. So there really is the power of appreciation. And talk about 
how we can practice gratitude and be thankful for the things in our life. It doesn't have to just be something we do on Thanksgiving every year. Right. We can do it every day of the year. That's what I wrote about in Thank You and Good Night, the kids' book, teaching kids the importance of gratitude. And then there's that success of the day, which I think is one of the most powerful things that you can do with your child. I think about every night before they go to bed, you ask them their success of the day. Like, what was your success today? The one great thing that happened to you today, not all the things that went wrong, not the mistakes, not the failures, but the one great thing that you did, the one thing that you feel good about, the one thing that you're proud of, the accomplishment. And every night you go to bed a success. You can even help your kids start a success journal where every night they're writing down that one great thing. Guess what happens? You go to bed thinking of your success and feeling like a success every single night. You wake up feeling like a success. Your perspective change changes. How you see the world determines the world that you see. So now I'm looking for the success. And what you look for, you will now find more of. So I'm looking for the success. I'm thinking about the success. Of course, failures happen. You might want to add, what do we learn from this? How can we grow from this? So you talk about that, but always end up with that success and you will train your kids' minds to start thinking more positive, looking for the success and feeling like it. And then what happens is you celebrate the small wins, you know, along the way. And then those small wins ultimately lead to the big wins, but we've got to celebrate those small wins. My son was funny because he was a competitive tennis player. He's like, dad, you always say it's not about winning, but we're a lot happier when we win, right? Aren't we happier? I'm like, man, you're right. Like it was hard to argue and with that because he was so true. He, he was so observant and he saw firsthand how we really acted. You're right. We want to win, but we don't need to win. We want to win, but we don't need to. It's okay to have that desire. It's okay to have that passion, that purpose, that drive to want to win. I'm very competitive. We play pickleball right now. I want to win. If we play tennis, I want to win. If we're playing basketball one-on-one, -on -one, I want to win. So I am competitive. But do you need to win for your identity or is it enjoyable to, to have the competition, to battle? Are you loving the process? And then along the way, is it making you better? And then, yes, when you win, you're celebrating it. You're having fun with that win, but you're not, you're not thinking less of yourself and bad of yourself. You're not hating yourself for losing. And I think too often we tie performance to identity. Parents do this too often. We do it too often. Like you are judged by your performance. It's important to tell that child you are loved, not based on how you perform, but based on who you are. You are loved and no win, no success will change how much I love you and care about you. And after the games, after the performances, we may have more fun, but I'm also going to make sure that you don't feel less love for me when you don't play well or perform well. That's the important thing. Yeah. I think players as in, you know, working with a lot of college and pro sports teams, same way that player performs well, that coach is over there giving that player a lot of energy and tension. What kind of energy do you give that player when they don't perform well? Right. What kind of support and love do you give when they're, when they're at their worst? That's when the real leadership is shown. Real parenting is shown when your kid is struggling and not doing well and hit, hitting rock bottom. How do you help that kid thrive and get over it and come back and be stronger. And I had to be tested along the way with kids who were competitive, who were athletes, who failed, who made mistakes, who struggled sometimes with even depression at times and, and being there for them in those moments 
are some of, I would say, my greatest moments of parenting that taught me the most and helped me be a better father and a better human being. It was my kids' flaws and going through those flaws that made me a better human and better parent. Where other parents are showcasing, oh, look at my kid on and their success on Facebook. Look at their success here. Look at what they're doing here. Well, I'm thinking my kid's not having that success right now. My kid's going through this right now. Man, I've just got to love them and support them and be there for them. But then you watch them come out of it and you know it's because you were the leader and you were the parent who was with them through the struggle. And that's when you know you truly love them. And that's when you know that's what parenting is all about. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And I love the 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 coffee bean analogy because uh, and parents pick up that book. It's it's really it's a great book. Um, and kids should read it. Parents, you guys should read it as well. But the coffee bean analogy is awesome because um, it teaches you that yeah, you have the ability to change the environment around you, uh, just as a coffee bean does with hot water. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I want to add to what you just said there. Is one ways one of the ways that we as parents can help our kids be more positive is to lead by example. If we're walking around the house in a bad mood, frustrated, depressed, or stressed about life or things that are happening to you, whether it's outside the home or in the home, that's gonna that's gonna your your kids are gonna pick up on that and they're gonna see that. And they're going to emulate how you act. Well, this happened to me. This is how my dad reacted to when something bad happened to him. So this is how I'm supposed to react. Well, that's not the case. So you need to lead as parents. You need to lead by example. Um, one of the things that I did with my boys growing up when they were younger, um, and I know that you're a firm believer in this, but affirmations and affirmations are important. And you speak to a lot of affirmations in your book, in your books, but um, affirmations are, are, are really important for our kids to understand what they are, why they work, how they work and why we do them. Uh, my boy, my older son, for example, his, the affirmation that I used with him constantly was, I would say, you're a leader, you're a champion. And his response to me was I'm the best in the world. And that was our affirmation. Every single day we'd get up, I'd get ready to drop him off at school and I'd go, Hey bud, you're a leader, you're a champion. He'd go, I'm the best in the world. And that just left him with a sense of, of confidence to tackle whatever challenges he was going to face that day. So affirmations are important and leading by example, just two of the things that I want to add to what you just said. So thank you. For I that. love, I love that you would say that. And he would respond in that way. It reminds me with my daughter, I would tell her she was unstoppable. She was a lacrosse player. And early on, I was a driver and pushing too much. And she almost quit because of me. And I changed <laughs> and I became a supporter and encourager, but she had a negative coach. And her coach was very negative and always giving her a hard time and would bench her. And then she would get benched. I would encourage her even more. And I noticed she was hesitant. She didn't have a lot of confidence. So I kept on saying, you're unstoppable, Jane. You're unstoppable. They can't stop you. Just take her to the cage. I'm telling you, you're unstoppable. And we'd work in the backyard. We'd practice and we would do drives and, and dodges and I would play defense and she would like go right by me. I mean, she was strong. She could take it to the cage, but then in the games, she wouldn't do it. So I kept on calling her unstoppable. I wrote this in the power of positive leadership, but then the coach's daughter, who was also pretty negative, uh, went down with an injury and my daughter then stepped up next thing you know, she starts taking to the cage. She wanted to help her team win. She scored 80 goals that year and became... Oh an academic All-American. And incredible, incredible performance. 
And she was unstoppable. She scored like seven goals in the state semifinals to take them to the finals, eight goals in the district finals to help her team go forward. I mean, it was so much fun to watch her just do her thing. And I'm convinced it was because of those affirmations of calling her unstoppable. She started speaking about eight months ago. She's now doing this work that I'm doing. Very fearful, scared. What I say, Jade, you got this. Jade, you were born to do this. Jade, you are you are amazing at this. So now I'm encouraging her because she really is. She's a natural speaker. Through all her fear, the audience just gravitates to her, and you can tell she's got the it factor as a speaker. She's doing podcast interviews now. She's she's growing in so many ways. But it's my job, even when the talk doesn't go as well, or I can see how she can improve. Jade, you're amazing. You're unstoppable in different ways now. So yeah, affirmations and speaking life into your kids is essential. Speaking life. The word encourage means to put courage into. So when you encourage your kid, you're putting courage into them. Speak life. You give them life. Leadership is a transfer of belief. Parenting is a transfer of belief. So the more we speak life, we believe in them, we support them, we encourage them. They do more than they ever thought possible. And I, even though my dad would always give me a hard time, it was because he always expected so much from me. And I think I always keep pushing myself to rise up to those expectations. Even though he's no longer here, he believed in me in a way that he thought I could do anything. And that's why he challenged me so much. So I still have that drive to this day, I believe, because of that. I wish he was a little more positive with it. It's like this... It's this really fine line, right? How much is too much? How much is too little? What happens if the kid's meant to quit, but you keep pushing them too much? What happens if they're not meant to quit, but you let them quit? It's always this question that we have to ask ourselves, like doing the right thing in that way. Like you always hear, well, my dad pushed me and that's why I achieved what I achieved. But I know that if I push my kids too much, I would have made them miserable in the process. So neither... Well, actually, my son played two years of college tennis, Division One college tennis. My daughter could have been a Division One lacrosse player, but chose not to play in college. So when my daughter was there freshman year, going to Clemson University, there's no lacrosse team. She could have went to other schools and played lacrosse. Clemson didn't have a lacrosse team. She wanted to go there. Jay, do you miss lacrosse? Not at all, Dad. <laughs> not at all. I made the right decision by not pushing her to go play in a college, I could have like, come on, you got to do this, finish it through, you know, like do, do what you started. You've been playing all these years. You got to do it. No, I knew she really fully didn't want to play at the next level. She rather would have gone to this college and didn't have a lacrosse team. And I supported that. And it was the right decision. My son didn't push as much. He wanted to go play tennis in college, did for two years, junior year, said, you know what? I'm done with this. It's a full-time job. I'm not going to be a pro tennis player. I want to enjoy my college life. Okay, great. Supported that. So I've learned like the blend of, of both because it's so hard to know what to do in that moment because I think, should I push? But if they don't really want it and they don't really love it, I think that's the indicator that if, that if you want it more than them, then you're pushing too hard. They've got to want it themselves. And maybe they just don't love the sport that much. And if they don't encourage them to do other things so they can flourish in other things. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, t- I'll give you two quick stories and, and I know you got to get going, but uh, my, my older son, very similar. He was, we were a, a huge baseball family when he was growing up. We, he was, he was constantly playing baseball. I was the coach. 
Uh, and he got to a point when he was about 10 that he, that he started picking up basketball too. And so he playing baseball and basketball in, in the, in, you know, in the same year. And it started to wear on him a little bit, but he wasn't a big fan of baseball. We were just a big baseball family. We just loved baseball. And uh, he came, he was, it was, we were in the middle of season and he's, and we were on our way home. I had my dad hat back on and he said, Hey dad, uh, can I talk to you about something? And I said, what's that? He goes, I just, I don't want you to get upset with me. And I said, okay. He said, um, I don't want to play baseball anymore. And I went, Oh, well, why did something happen? Is something, you know, is it, is it because I'm a coach or he's like, no, no, no. He goes, I just, I'm just not a fan of it. I just, I'm burned out on it. I don't like it. Um, and I'm just kind of over it. And I said, okay, that's fine. And he's like, well, you're not mad. I'm like, no, I said, we did have one rule in the house. And that was, if you start a sport, you finish that season. Right. So we're not quitting during the season. So I said, okay, well, you do understand if you're not going to play baseball anymore, that's fine. We've got to finish the season. He's like, no, 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 I get that. I get that. And I said, well, you got to do something. So what do you want to do? He goes, I just want to focus on basketball. And I said, okay, then we'll finish the season. We'll move on to basketball. And so that's how, that's how, you know, he went and he ended up doing very well in basketball. And then my younger son, you know, he ended up playing basketball in college, got to his sophomore year in college and at the end of the basketball season in college, he said, uh, he goes, dad, I, I'm burned out. I don't want to play anymore. Um, I just want to enjoy my college life, you know, kind of like your kid. I just want to enjoy my college life. Um, I don't want to play basketball anymore. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm good with that. He's like, but you don't, you're good with me not playing anymore. I said, that's up to you, man. You're a grown man. You, if you, that's the decision you make, that's fine. You make the best of your college career. So, um, so yeah, so he, he played two years in, in college basketball and now he's at a, in his junior year and, and he's loving life, enjoying his, enjoying his life as a college student. So, um, that's awesome. very cool. That's awesome. Um, I, re I remember, I remember telling my son, uh, you know, we get him to play football and early on, he's like eight years old and he puts the helmet on and he can't even put the helmet on. He's putting the pads on. He's all uncomfortable. He's like, dad, I don't like the way the pads feel. I don't like the way the helmet feels. And then there's practice and they're doing hitting drills and I'm watching hit. He comes over. I don't really like hitting dad. Now this is a kid I would see throw his friends in the yard and they right. would tackle each other, <laughs> each other, but he just didn't like all the equipment and the pads. And he goes, I just don't like hitting with all those pads and stuff. I said, it's okay. You'll get used to it. Don't worry about it. You'll get used to it. And then like about um, a couple of weeks later, um, he's like, dad, I don't want to play football. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, we love football. <laughs> I go, we love football. He goes, no, dad, you love right. football. Again, this is eight. This is what he says. You love football. I don't love football. I said, fine. If you don't want to play, again, this is what I was early on as a dad. I go, if you don't want to play, then we're going to go down to coach and you're going to tell him yourself. I think, okay, he's not going to go do it. He goes, okay. We go down to coach. <laughs> he's like, uh, coach, I don't want to play football. And that was it. And football was over. But then a week later, he starts playing tennis, was passionate about tennis early on when he was young, loved it and found something he was really good at. He was really a natural. He's lefty. And again, it took him all the way to college. Right. So so the, the lessons we learned along the way, it's not what we want. It's what they want. It's helping them become all they are meant to be, not what we want them to be. That's the key to parenting. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with that. Totally. Uh, one real quick question. If no one, if people are watching have not read any of your books, what's the first book they should pick up? Oh, definitely. I would read the energy bus first. I would okay. read the energy bus first. I would read power of one more by Ed Milet. So make sure you read that. <laughs> and then I would read the energy bus, which is my, 
my most popular book, sold several million copies now. And so it's really impacted a lot of people. Uh, if you're a young athlete, Training Camp is a great book for, you know, teens to 20, you know, early 20s. Uh, Training Camp is probably my favorite book I've written. The Carpenter is a great book that a lot of people love. They're all great. Energy, <laughs> energy, yeah, Energy Bus, most popular. Teenagers, The Garden. If you're struggling with fear, mm -hmm. stress, anxiety, The Garden I wrote for people, especially with the pandemic. I had no idea a pandemic was coming. I wrote it before the pandemic. Right. And it comes out during the pandemic. And I couldn't believe how many people it, it helped during that time because it helps you deal with the fear, the stress, the anxiety, and it gives you a game plan on how to win the battle of your mind. And so many teens are struggling right now with the battle of their mind. So this is how to win the battle. So passionate about that book as well for the garden. So energy bus, carpenter, training camp, in the garden. There's 26 books. It's hard to say, <laughs> read all of them, right. but I would start with, always start with the energy bus. That's what I tell people all the time. All right, cool. Well, thank you for that. Uh, well, John, listen, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Like I said, you are one of my favorite authors. I truly mean that. I love your books uh, and uh, really appreciate you taking out the time of your day to, uh, to join me on Dad Up and share your wisdom as being a parent. So I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And if anyone ever wants to get my uh, free weekly newsletter, I, I send out a weekly positive tip. Just go to johngordon.com, J-O-N gordon.com and i'm always sharing tips on there and also instagram and twitter i'm always sharing tips and advice for dads and encouragement and parents coaches you name it and they can just go to at john gordon 11 j-o-n gordon 11 for twitter and instagram and i'm always posting a lot of stuff on there as well if i you know if people want to be encouraged just go there awesome uh yeah That's highly fine. recommend you guys check out his website he's got a lot of great information on there uh and then also uh, he's very active on social media uh with a lot of great uh videos and, and things on there you can check out as well so thank you again john really appreciate it and for my listeners viewers wherever you are please make sure you're checking out what he's doing as far as the author goes uh, his books are amazing, very easy to read, very quick reads, very easy to read, uh, story relatable. I mean, they relate to life. Uh, so anything that you're struggling with, whether it's in business or in family or personally, spiritually, um, definitely check out uh, any of John Gordon's books. They're certainly a, certainly a plus to your, to your library. So thank you again for watching. Uh, I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Wow, another amazing episode in the books. So much was shared and I'm truly grateful my guest was able to pour into you to help you elevate your dad game and really dad up. Make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're here, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate the feedback. Also, did you know you can watch the video interview of this episode? You can by simply going to my YouTube channel at Dad Up Podcast please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And one last thing, don't forget, your role as a dad is one of the most important roles you have. So if you need a little help or have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my website at daduptribe.com or at my Instagram page at daduppodcast. Until next time, everyone, dad up.